Well, welcome to City Harbor Church. I'm so glad that you're here today. What a wonderful time we had together in worship, in prayer, in praying for healing miracles, in hearing from the city kids. We are in this Advent season where we mark on the calendar the anticipated arrival of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, what it means to us today, and who is this Jesus? So we have a sense of confident hope, of anticipation of who we are looking forward to when He returns. That's, that's what, what this is all about. It's what it's supposed to all be about. And we want to, oh, I want to make sure we mentioned uh, this week, uh, it's a happy birthday to Noel on the 16th. Happy birthday, Noel, this week. Yeah. I'm going to make sure we mention that. Um, Jesus brings good news of freedom and clarity. For the last couple Sundays and today, we are looking at Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Around this, who is Jesus? How did Jesus reveal himself? And what did he do? Well, he brought good news of freedom and clarity. And so let's just look again at our passage here. Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This prophecy about the Messiah, about God's day of salvation. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus reveals himself to be the Son of God, the Messiah. Jesus brings good news of freedom and clarity. And each of the last two Sundays in the messages that we have uh, looked at, and, and the, the notes are available for all those, there's actually more than one meaning to each of the phrases that Jesus uses, that he quotes in the scripture. There's a depth of meaning to it that should bring us inspiration as we think about who Jesus is and we expand our understanding of who Jesus is in our lives today and who we are looking forward to in the future. It's freedom and clarity. And today, we're going to focus on the phrase, the blind will see. Now, it's important for us to realize that this wasn't a new idea to them. God had already revealed himself to be a healer. God spoke in Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord who heals you. So that was something that was already in their consciousness, their understanding of what, who God is. And God chose, we see in this, this prophecy, the miracle of healing eyesight to be one of the signs that would prove the identity of the Messiah. And actually, 
Jesus pointed to this after these miracles happened. We see John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. This is something that Jesus points to as evidence of his identity as the Son of God, as the Messiah. It's one of the things. It's an important thing. And it's something that I think we need to consider. Because in a moment with Jesus, people who could not see were able to see. In a moment with Jesus, people who could not see were able to see. This is when I was growing up in our church, there was a lady named Cecily who was blind her whole life. And she sung in the choir. She sung beautifully. She had a beautiful voice. She was in love with God. She was faithful in her relationship with God. And I remember as I got into middle school, I started mowing, you know, mowing different people's yards, cutting the grass, you know, earning a little bit of money. And, and her, her yard was one of the ones that I, I would go and cut. And I, I think we, we, I didn't even charge her anything. And then that led to, um, helped her with a few things in her house that she needed a little bit of help with, things getting moved. And, and so I, I also started to learn, and you, you guys know I'm old, so this is a long time ago, how she was already using the computer um, and, and the ways that she was and the different, I, I saw the, the, the Braille books and, the, and the, different, uh, the different ways in which that she did life. And it's a very vivid memory for me as one, one of the, the, the ways that I learned about what life would be like if you can't see. And I think it's really important for us that when we read these stories and we look at this aspect that we don't just gloss over the meaning. That we don't, we, don't, we don't miss the depth of meaning. That God understands the suffering. That God is aware of the personal nature of what's happening when the miracle occurs. God isn't selfish when He gives miracles. And God has the power to bring miracles. That would be a great time to say, yes, that's right, I agree, right? All right, so I know we're still getting in the groove. I want to look at the story from John chapter 9 where Jesus heals somebody who could not see. And, and starting out, I'm just going to read the first few verses. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born, who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. 
This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself uh, in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now I want to look at a few lessons that we learn from this story. And this story goes on quite a bit, and I'm going to put a few more of the verses up there. One thing that we learn from this story is that God shows power. It says this happens so the power of God could be seen in him. Jesus says this miracle points to the reality that God can do miracles. And sure, there's been, God has given us a brain and ability to learn, an ability to use the minerals of the earth and the plants of the earth to, to bring measure of healing and to, to help improve health. But we, we don't yet have anyone who can come in their own ability and in a moment open someone's eyes, born blind, and be able to see. It's the power of the living God to do a creative miracle. The power of God is seen. It's a power that's undeniable. What did the man say? The man said, I know this. I was blind and now I can see. There's there's a miracle that happens. Also in this chapter, ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. It's a sign. It's, it's, it's obvious, and that's what, when we, when we see a miraculous answer to prayer, it needs to be noted that this is something from God. Now, another lesson we get here, number two, Jesus did not focus on the cause of the blindness. The ailment was not a result of sin in him or his family. Now, what are we trying to do? We're trying to learn about Praying for healing and how it works and what God does. Are you with me? Right? So Jesus didn't focus on the cause. The the ailment was not a result of the sin in his family. We saw that, right? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sin, Jesus said. The scripture includes stories where blindness actually had a variety of causes. Sometimes in the stories in scripture, it actually points to why the person was blind. And there's a wide variety of it. Another thing we learned, number three, is that some miracles engage our action. Now, one thing I want to point out to you, it doesn't say in this story that the man had great faith. But what it does say is that when Jesus told him to do something, he did it. And that is making a decision that no matter what's going on in in his brain or his emotions, we don't know. We don't know what was going on in his, in his thoughts or emotions, but we do know that when Jesus told him to do something, he did it. And that, that's a measure of faith, right? So some, some miracles engage our action. Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. We actually, sent is, is, is repeated in this story. So the man went washed and came back seeing. Number four, one thing we see here is that some miracles happen in a moment, And some happen in a process. At times, Jesus prayed more than once. Watch this. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. This is a different story, Mark 8. 
And his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. Now he had already prayed for him the first time and he said, yeah, I can kind of see now, but it's, it's blurry. And so Jesus prayed for him again and the man received a complete miracle. So there's, there's variety there. Number five, what we also see is that miracles can point to Jesus and result in faith. In this story, there's a very specific point where the man is asked by Jesus, you know, do you believe? I'm the Son of God. I'm the Savior. I'm the way to salvation. And what we see, the man says, yes, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus, right? It's not thanking a person who's done something good. There's a a miracle of faith that happens in his heart, not just for the miracle that's already happened, but as Jesus as Savior. Now, when you interact with someone who needs a miracle, don't ignore the reality that when the miracle comes, it can point to the power of the living God and to salvation. You guys have heard my story from a dislocated, broken elbow, right? And after all that medicine could do, I could only open it this far. And God touched me, and I could open it all the way. That's one of the reasons that I believe that God is who he said he is. That's so good. Jesus brings good news of freedom and clarity. This week I emailed you some thoughts on healing, some scriptures on healing. And I want to just point to just a few lessons. The followers of Jesus, they believe this. They believe what Jesus taught and they followed his actions. And it's, this is a good verse for summarizing it. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. They were being pressured from authorities. They were being beaten and thrown in jail for talking about Jesus. And in one of those pivotal moments when they've been threatened with being beaten and thrown into jail, this was their prayer. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This was a part, this was a part of their essential ingredients and what they believed, what they, they kept their anticipation. They kept this, this is who God is. This is who we want to see God reveal himself to be. It was a part of their understanding. And I want to say that we believe in healing. And we believe that the Bible, the Scripture, it's helpful that, that, that God can do a miracle regardless of the circumstances. When God makes a decision, when God does something, nothing can get in the way. And it's, it's not based on how you're feeling. It's not based on do you have a strong faith. It's really important for us to understand that. We see miracles in Scripture even for people that did not ultimately live a faithful life to God. We see miracles in Scripture for people that weren't believers. So, but what we do see is that when we pray the Scripture, that something happens. When we engage with who God has revealed Himself to be, that something happens, that it's helpful. And so that's why I have these three bullet points I want us to make sure we keep in mind or in the email out to you this week. Hearing the Word 
initiates faith. Right? We've got to learn about God from somewhere. We've got to learn about these miracles, these attributes from somewhere. Hearing the Word initiates faith. Speaking the Word activates faith. So no matter what your emotions are, what your thoughts are, when I say, God, you said. God, you revealed yourself to be the Lord who heals. When I, when I speak the Word, what is true, what is the, the plain, simple truth, the inspired truth of God, when it comes out of my mouth, it activates my faith. And when I do the Word, it demonstrates faith, right? So it, just like we saw in this story where the man responded to Jesus, Jesus brings good news of freedom and clarity. In just my closing moments, I want to talk a little bit about the spiritual aspect of this. Because remember, in each of these phrases, there's multiple meanings. There's a depth of meaning. What do we learn? Because at the end of this chapter, Jesus teaches about spiritual eyesight, spiritual perception. Because there were Jewish religious leaders who were claiming that they had spiritual perception, a spiritual eyesight. And yet they were denying that Jesus was the Savior, that Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus uses this miracle to point out that they were guilty because they were pretending that they were seers. And yet they were saying that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. And Jesus is pointing to the fact that we can have spiritual perception and that it's helpful, that it's good. Jesus mentions the way their false teachers are presenting themselves, right? Now, Jesus saw an opportunity, and I want you, want you to see this. In this moment, in this one story, there's a bunch of different layers. Jesus sees an opportunity to heal a man that was blind. Jesus was not manipulating this, this guy. Jesus is not taking advantage of him. Jesus is not profiting from him. Jesus is there in the moment with the person who needs the miracle. That is a really important aspect of this. And we see it many times over in the eyewitness accounts, right? Jesus sees an opportunity to bring healing. Jesus also sees an opportunity for the people around to see that God is powerful. That's an opportunity. Jesus perceives it spiritually. He's, he's looking around at the faces and he's discerning something spiritually. Jesus also sees that it's an opportunity to help people see the saving grace through him, his identity as Messiah. And when we pray for miracles, we need to make sure we don't ignore that. Are you with me? Some people call this power evangelism, right? You pray for someone to receive a healing miracle and they receive a healing miracle. You share the good news of Jesus with them who lead them to that place of salvation in the saving grace of Jesus. And Jesus also sees an opportunity to point out the deception of the false teachers. Jesus has that spiritual insight in that moment. His, listen, if you go through the Scripture, you're going to see that Jesus has teaching about things that are from our natural world, what we can see with our eyes, and of the spiritual world, things that we don't see with our physical eyes, but we can discern with our spiritual eyes. Jesus has teaching about both of those things. And they, the followers of Jesus clearly believed that he brought good news that included 
an ability to see what's spiritual. Do you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you are a spiritual being. And you can have the ability to perceive that which is spiritual. So I want us to think about these questions. What are we looking at? There's actually a lot of Scripture about what we look at. What are we looking at? And Jesus didn't ask the blind man to think about the problem. Jesus didn't ask the blind man to think about how his past life could have been better. What are we looking at? Are we seeing what God wants us to see? The people that God has put around you, are you seeing what God wants you to see? There might be external behaviors and things that they say and things that they do. But are you seeing who they are spiritually? Are we seeing what God wants us to see? So when when I stand here in this moment on Sunday, I'm not speaking to your faces. I'm speaking to your spirits. I'm not thinking about the way you've treated me, the things you've said to me, right? I'm not, what I'm trying to say is I'm not thinking about the natural relationship. I'm thinking about the spiritual relationship. Who you are in Jesus. Who we are in Jesus. Are you tracking with me? What are we looking at? Are we seeing what God wants to see? What do we see? Stay with me here. What do we see when we look at God? What do we see when we look at ourselves? What do we see when we look at other people? This amazing passage in Luke 4 reveals to us who Jesus is and some amazing things about the kingdom of God. And by giving that focus and priority and then allowing it to shape how I view myself. Are you looking at yourself through the lens of negative words that have been said about you? Or negative words that you've said about yourself? Or limitations? Or what you're seeing in the natural? Or are you getting from God a sense of identity, value, and purpose? Not that you make up out of your own imagination, but that's based on learning about who God is and what God is already doing. What God cares about. That's why we've been reading the New Testament together this year. I want to be shaped based on the reality of who God is. Because if if we just go from our imagination, we're going to get frustrated. Are, Are you with me? Right? So am I, am I seeing one of the most passionate stories in Scripture for me is the story of Hagar. Where God meets her to her, her place of pain. Her place of injustice. Her place of being alone. And meets her need. And what she says, she, she gives God 
the name Yahweh El Roy, the one who sees. And she asks the question, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Are we seeing who God really is? Are we seeing who God really is? I've got more, but let's close in prayer right there. Lord, I thank you that you are good. You are the God who heals us. You are the God who loves us. You're the one true living God, all-powerful, all-knowing, worthy of praise. You give us the opportunity to live for you. Lord, please help us this week to pray for healing miracles. We would see healing miracles. And please open our spiritual eyes so that we could see what you want us to see. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Melinda? Thank you. Thank you. All right, grace and peace to you. Have a great week.